Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours, and this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Zach White from Oasis of Courage. Zach is a renowned figure in the engineering and leadership coaching industry. Having worked with leaders from some of the world's top tech companies such as Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, he is the founder and CEO of Oasis of Courage, a fast-growing company that offers exclusive coaching programs for engineering leaders. Zach is also the host of the Happy Engineer podcast, where he shares his expertise and transformational framework, the Lifestyle Engineering Blueprint, to help listeners achieve success in engineering. With a bachelor's and master's degree in mechanical engineering from Purdue University and the University of Michigan, Zach has over a decade of experience in a Fortune 200 organization, making him a sought-after coach by engineering leaders worldwide. He is affectionately known as the world's best lifestyle engineer and is dedicated to helping engineering leaders find balance in their lives and careers. In this episode, we talk a lot about stepping out of your comfort zone. Pretty much the entire episode is talking about like learning to live at the edge of that circle, wherever that circle is. Uh, we talk about how it can impact your work-life balance, how to help master your mindset while you're stepping into that discomfort. And uh, throughout the episode, we're going to be, we talk about like setting up like a unique blueprint, but you got to be listening to the episode. So you got, you know, take notes while you're, while you're writing it. So you're writing your own uh, blueprint and the, the importance of doing less and how to do less, because that's a very interesting and thing that I suffer with all the time. Uh, but before we get into the show, uh, I want to ask you, are you ready to take your life to the next level? Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and get exclusive access to a range of exciting perks. As a subscriber, you'll be the first to know about our new episodes and you'll get early access before they're released to the public. But that's not all. You'll also receive a one-on-one -on -one call with me where we'll discuss your fitness and life goals and how we can help you achieve them. And you'll get free access to our private community where we hold community calls to talk about all the episodes and how you're applying the lessons to your life and how it's changing your life. And that's not all. As a member of our exclusive community, you'll get access to some of some exciting programs that we're launching. So you can continue your journey towards health, wellness, and a life worth living. Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier you. But before you do, listen to the episode. Once you're done the episode, then sign up.
Zach, welcome to the show. John, it's awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. How's uh, Michigan? I'm actually going to be shooting myself up there in a couple of weeks. I have a few friends that I have to go and see. You know, Michiganders, as we affectionately call ourselves, are absolutely thrilled that I think the snow is gone for the rest of this year. So spring spring is here, John, and we're happy. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Canadians are in the same boat as you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I think we're like co close cousins, Canada and Michigan, especially the UP, but I live down here in the southwest part of the state. But just can't wait to go hit the lake, uh, hit the beaches here. It's going to be an awesome summer, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was another podcast that I was looking to to start up with. The uh, We're going off on a weird tangent already. Like, this is crazy. Um, on uh, mysterious uh, happenings around the world. And I know Michigan has their own Stonehenge under Lake Michigan. And it's quite, uh, I find these things fascinating. Yeah, that, you know, I've heard the, like, the whisperings of that. I've never actually explored the, you know, what where that's at, what that's all about. So I don't know the legend or the, the myth behind that. But yeah, no. there's some, something going on. Michigan's full of little mysteries. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, again, welcome to the show. Uh, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, first and foremost, what got you interested in this kind of work? Oh, well, this kind of work, you know, the interest was probably there way longer than I knew. So maybe let's back up. What is this kind of work? I am in coaching and training, life, career, development for engineering and technical leadership. And my background is in engineering. So I was a mechanical engineer doing the work, doing the grind. But what got me into this was that I absolutely failed miserably in creating the career and life that I dreamed about when I got out of college. I hit a rock bottom burnout place and my own story of failure and recovery and growth after that is what created my interest to say, holy cow, how do we go back now and take those lessons and help other technical leaders to get the results they want without making those same mistakes. So like a lot of folks, it was my own mess that has now become my message and the thing that I care so much about. I like that. I like how you use the mess and message because it really, it's really interesting to see how people's, uh, how people, when they mess up, that becomes that their powerful, um, their powerful why as to yeah. move forward. So that that's really I really like how you use that. That that was really good. Um, have there ever been any moments where you just said, "Okay, I'm just gonna get a job. There's nine to five. Just get a job in an engineering company and just say, I like my nine to five." Mm -hmm. Well, John, I quit a really successful upward moving career in 2019 to become an entrepreneur and do this work full time, and. Had I known <laughs> that COVID-19 was right around the corner, I would not have quit at that time. Now, that's forward looking, you know, then backward looking now, I can say that the trials of that have made the business and myself as an individual, as a husband, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, way stronger 
having gone through a really tough time. But to answer your question, absolutely, there were nights where I sat on the couch with my, you know, head in my hands, wondering what have I done? Why did I walk away from the multi six figure career path? And like everything was so much easier as a W two employee compared to this, and the uncertainty and the challenge and you know, making no money for a while. And yeah, it was, it was really tough, but you said it earlier, John, you know, when you have that, why, when the, when the why is so compelling, I mean, I really believed and still do to this day that this is my calling. This is the work I was designed to do. I love engineering. I love it. I really do. But I know now that I became an engineer, not to be an engineer which is weird, right? It's like without that 11, 12 years of deep technical work, the failures, the growth, the successes, I couldn't do what I do now. So I'm deeply thankful for it, but I really don't see myself going back into traditional engineering work anytime soon because I've got a really big vision for this calling that I've been placed in. So yeah, I I won't go back anytime soon, but man, I have thought about it. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> you're not alone yeah yep. agreed <laughs> i know that entrepreneurship's a different animal it's not for everyone that's for sure it it really is i keep telling people you actually trade your nine to five job for the five to nine job and <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a good segue into what i want to talk about uh right now and this whole misconception of work-life balance and all these people, they're chasing this work-life balance. And we, people talk about it is I t- call them uh, the talking heads on Facebook and YouTube and all this place. What is What are people actually really chasing? Well, the yeah, great question. I would actually argue, John, the first problem is that they don't know what they're chasing. All they're doing is running away from pain. This is a really common failure mode of human nature. We, we want to avoid pain and yes, pursue pleasure, but the avoidance of pain and suffering is a stronger motivator. And so often we catch ourselves in a pattern of just es- escaping, trying to run away from a thing that we don't like. So what is that? Well, you know, I, I don't have any enthusiasm or passion for my work. I'm putting in long hours. I'm low on energy. Um, I'm losing my health. My relationships are not great. And we peg that onto a culturally accepted norm that my work-life balance must be off because, you know, what's measurable and what's easy to see on the surface, John, is how many hours you're at work or how much you hate your boss or this toxic culture that you're in or fill in the blank thing that we want to peg as the cause of the pain. And so then we we run towards this thing called balance. We say that's what it is, but really we don't even know what that means. <laughs> We're just running away from an experience of life that right now we don't enjoy. And so that's that's the actual starting point of the problem is that I think most people I talk to, especially these technical leaders who are really stuck in their heads, all they know is I don't like this. So the world is talking about this thing called work-life balance. That must be what I'm after. How do I get it? Um, but but that's the beginning for me of where we got to break the paradigm is you're just unhappy. You're just in pain. You don't even know what you really want. It's interesting. You, you, you touched up on pain, which is um, 
pain is an old and good friend of mine. And I learned that through, uh, through martial arts, where the more pain that I put myself, exposed myself to, the more I understood myself. Mm. I understood my, uh, my capabilities and my limitations that I could pass through, pass, push past my limitations. And I understand that pain is a very, nobody wants to experience pain, but what could you tell somebody to help them understand that pain is not a bad thing. It's a good thing to have in your life. How would you, how would you form that for somebody without mm -hmm. s sounding like a sadist? <laughs> <laughs> John, this is a powerful statement and i i agree with you and even my intro you know, if i hadn't gone through pain and burnout and a rock bottom experience in life you and i are not having this conversation today so here's the best way i could describe it pain and all of its cousins fear suffering challenge in a who well, you might consider a challenge you don't want an unpleasant surprise uh, you know, it's funny. We like surprises when they're the kinds that, that we choose. We don't like surprises when we didn't choose them, right? All of those things, we have this idea that we want them to go away. Um, or somehow they get easier or they, you know, over time they just disappear. I don't think that's true at all. Uh, what I actually see in the experience of life is that you get stronger. You become more resilient you build courage to face fear at a higher level. You pick up the skills or the capabilities to overcome certain challenges. The, the pain and the suffering doesn't go away. You become better. You're able to deal with that and it doesn't bother you anymore and you move on to the next challenge. And so you think of a really simple example, like uh, dealing with a hard to deal with person in your life. You know, that might be a, a source of pain for you. Well, as you mature and you discover, you know what, I don't need to take all that personally. I don't have to give them my time and energy. I can you know, love them without accepting all that garbage from them. You, know, you, you pick up these new social skills, this emotional intelligence, and now that person doesn't really bother you anymore. Well, guess what? They're still the same source of pain, but you have matured to a point where that doesn't bother you. And so, what I love about your example, and martial arts is so powerful, you see it in uh, like cold exposure, people who are into Wim Hof methods, or you know, like why would we do these things? Well, it strengthens you, it brings a sense of resilience into your body, your mind, your spirit, so that you can now face the, the bigger challenge, the higher degree of pain, the more scary, fearful thing, which at the end of the day is really what we want, because the dream that we hold, the vision of success that we hold is on the other side of our comfort zone and fear. Like if you don't build that resilience and that courage, you won't get there. And so to honor pain or to be willing to sit with it until you strengthen that place within yourself, to me, that is the path. You know, there is no way around it. It's only through it. And so the sooner you're willing to just surrender to that, and yeah, it hurts, you know, whether that's an emotional sadness or um, a sense of failure that you're dealing with and processing or a literal physical pain in the sense of a martial art or just working out in general. It doesn't have to be martial arts. Just go to the gym. It hurts. 
but you get stronger. And yeah, p pain is part of the path. You don't get to escape that. And if you try to run away from it, all you're doing is keeping yourself weak. And then you don't have what it takes to face what life's going to throw at you. I love that. It's going to transition into what I want to talk in next. But, but before we do, um, I want to talk about something that you brought up um, uh, with, with others, other people in your life that are bringing you pain. Um, it just a thought came into my head. And um, because I experienced this last week, and I, I, I removed this person from my life. So do you think that it's it's um, other people that are bringing you pain could be a reflection of yourself at that time and space? And what can somebody do um, if they can't remove them from their life? Let's say it's a, a parent or a spouse or a child or a grandkid. Mm -hmm. How would you uh, help somebody with that? The the statement that I think we need to agree on first that I do agree with you, and I think it's important for everyone, you know, what's coming back at me in life as a mirror, as a reflection of things that are within me, that's an important reality to understand. I think this concept of like attracts like, this idea that you know, everything that's being presented to me is an opportunity for me to discover more about who I am. And so if I'm, if someone that I know is bringing a source of pain and suffering into my life because of their behavior and their actions, rather than only looking at them as the cause and blaming or complaining about them to turn inward and say, hey, how have I allowed this or even needed this in my life for some area of growth and development for myself? How is this for me? not something happening to me. And so, yes, I definitely think when someone you love or, or just met, doesn't matter the nature of the relationship, is bringing something into your life that you don't want, it's, it's creating resistance or negative energy, get curious, not furious. You know, that's the, the little mnemonic that helps me. It's like, I want to get mad at them for bothering me or for bringing that into my, my space. Like, I don't have energy for that. But, but, but rather than be mad about it, let's get curious. Like, huh. I wonder why this is something that I need right now. Now, that said, once you experience the growth and you tackle that lesson or you get curious, it does not mean you need to keep that source of negative energy in your world. And so what do you do here? I honestly think one of the most courageous decisions of life is this decision. When you need to remove yourself from someone, especially when you love them, or you have this family connection, or it's a colleague or a boss where you don't have that full control or that full influence to just move, remove them 100%. But I would challenge the notion that I can't remove them. There are always more things within your control than you want to believe, even for a family member. It doesn't mean it won't be really, really hard. But you know, I, I'm not saying at all, you would just go in cold turkey, cut someone off and, and never talk to them again. That's a terrible way to handle that. There are ways to go have the courageous conversation, to speak the truth to them in love, give them an opportunity to make their choice on how they want to change their behavior or not, to become a new person or not, and let them know what choice you will make for yourself because of what you need and why you need it. So that's a hard conversation. But it's a really important one. So if you have a sister, you have a, an aunt, you have a, 
grandkid who's truly acting and living in a way that is is toxic, negative, painful energy on a consistent basis into your life. It's ruining your life. Just because of the relationship, you do not need to take that. And to tell them, hey, you know, here's the deal. I love you because of who you are. You know, you're my son. You're my... However, when you do these things or you show up to life this way, it hurts me, right? It, it, it creates pain and suffering in my life. And I, I'm not willing to take that. So either when we're together, we need to behave in this way, or I'm going to choose not to spend time with you. Like, I'll own the choice. I'll take full responsibility for it. But I want to let you know in truth and in love that if you want to choose something different, then it could create a different outcome. And who is it hard? I mean, I've got a lot of clients who've had to do that. Um, and it's one of the toughest, most courageous things you can do. But John, the freedom on the other side of that, oh man, it's it's like, that's huge. Because you talk about energy and how it drains you. Man, when you have that toxic relationship with somebody right there in the wing all the time, that that's a huge anchor in your life. 100%, 100%. But what if you find yourself always being attracted or bringing people in um, that are like, let's, if we're going to put a label on it, let's put a label on the narcissist. If you, mm. if you, if you keep bringing in, like, if, if you start seeing that you keep attracting these narcissists in your life and how can you help somebody break that? If there's a recurring theme of attracting, you know, it's narcissist. It's the, you know, the, the toxic boyfriend or girlfriend, the relationship that goes south. It's the, uh, the, the boss who micromanages and won't trust you, whatever the theme is, right? We can zoom out. You, you look at your life. What's that, that trend, that theme you're finding? For me, the first step, if you, when you become aware of that, first of all, that's a gift. Let's celebrate the fact that now you just became aware of a cycle, a pattern, a subconscious behavior of attraction that's not serving you. Like once you're aware, you have a chance now to change. So let's celebrate the fact that now you know. And if, if you don't know, let's start, start paying more attention to your life, what's going on. But, but John, my first step is always, um, call it the reboot. We, we wanna take a moment and go get into a place of solitude and silence. So break the pattern. It's like we, we need to scratch the record. Get out of your rhythm and your routine. Take a couple days off, take the weekend, go away by yourself and when I say silence, I mean it literally. Like we're not, you know, going to the movies and consuming a bunch of social media and YouTube. Like, no, no, no. Shut off all the inputs of your life. Go into nature, grab your journal, and take a couple days alone to get past the noise of what's always buzzing in our minds and hearts because we're in such a distracted world. There's so much input that we're just inundated with this. And you'll actually have a chance then to to hear the truth, to get in touch with that part of yourself that you haven't heard for a while around where you need to shift and grow. Because at the end of the day, the answer to your question is, if you keep pulling this in <laughs> to yourself, if you continue to attract that narcissistic personality and they're always around you, there's something inside of you that needs to shift. And rather than, you know, a lot of people would say, like, go read X book or go... 
I really do believe that that answer is going to be clear inside you if you'll just stop long enough to listen. And that's a hard discipline. I mean, most people, John, they can't even do this for two hours, let alone for two days. But if you'll give yourself the gift of silence and solitude and really look at your life and start paying attention to your thoughts and get into the heart, you're going to know what needs to change first. You're going to see that place within yourself where you are perhaps acting as a narcissist or you are asking for this in a subconscious way and you'll know where to begin. Now, now we can go get the resources. Now we can go get the help. Now we can go tell someone what's going on and where we need support, which is important, right? This is where the coaching and the, the camaraderie and the uh, going and getting the things you need comes into play. But first, let's just get space, get alone. That, that works for me every single time. No, I love that. Uh, I love that. Um, silence is, uh, in, in Greek, in Greece, we have a saying, the, um, the, the, the mute beat the, the barking dog. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so, uh, it, it really, it really kind of really nicely transitions into the next segment where I want to talk about uh, living out of your comfort zone. Because that's where, for me personally, that's where growth happens. If you if you get if you're able to get out of that comfort zone, uh, you can really um, really achieve that next level. Um, do you think that it's very? Do you think it's important for sometimes to be to be able to live inside the comfort zone, not just always outside the comfort zone? Because that could be a little bit um, stressful for people if you're doing it for too too long. I love looking at it from that lens, John, because most people want to talk about how important it is to get out of the comfort zone. And that's what I talk about a lot because most people, that's what they need is to get out of their comfort zone. So what's the value of being in it? Or what happens if we do stay in it? Or is there a time where I actually need to be intentional to get back into it? I think the, the way that I would approach this is to get curious with someone about where they're at with re relationship to their life purpose. So, okay, wh what's why do I say that? What's the connection? Being in your comfort zone, if you're squarely in the middle of that place, which by the way, does not necessarily mean you're just sitting on the couch, eating Doritos, watching movies, like doing nothing. You, know, you can be flowing through life, working your job, making money, paying your bills, married kids, like you can be doing all the things and never leaving your comfort zone. So, so life can just go right on through its rhythm with staying comfortable, right? It may not be easy. People mistake the comfort zone for pleasure or easy or happy. That's not the case at all. For a lot of folks, the comfort zone includes very painful or sad or disappointing or unhappy things. You, know, you can be comfortable with a bad marriage, a marriage that makes you really unhappy all day long, but you know how to do it. You've navigated it for years. It's the comfort zone for you because to deal with that problem would mean having a hard conversation that you don't want to have or would mean hiring that marriage counselor that you know you have too much ego to go and do it. So. So when we take that into consideration, if you asked me, does somebody 
uh, are they at a point in their life where what they need is to just stay in their comfort zone? I would really say, well, look, if, if you're in a season where you're unclear on what your purpose is, what the thing that you were put on the earth at this time to go and do, what is that purpose for you? What is that most fulfilling mission of your life? If you don't know what that is, then you know, maybe it's a season where being in the comfort zone is okay to, to do your exploration, as long as you're in a zone of seeking, which honestly, the seeking of that purpose could put you out of your comfort zone as well, right? Going into new spaces, asking new questions, trying new things. But in general, what I have come to believe from coaching hundreds of leaders and doing this work and development in my own life, John, is we want as humans in our nature to live out at the edge. The, the things that always light us up the most, the things that create enthusiasm and passion and energy and these thrilling, happy moments, these deeply fulfilling points in our life, we just say like, yes, like we're squeezing the juice out of life. That doesn't happen in the middle of your comfort zone. It, it happens out at the edge. You don't have to always be pushing as far as you can. To your point, John, like the further out you go, the more taxing on energy that can be. And we don't have to live out at the extremes. But I do believe we want to live at the edge. You know, just that dance between comfort and discomfort. We're always right out there versus just a, a deeply normal, routine, comfortable existence. Um, and so that's where I think we are most at home. But being at the edge is like, wh where is that edge for me? And which edge should I choose? Like, wh where do I want to focus that energy? That to me is a question of purpose. Like, what are you here to do? Let's, let's thrust in that direction. And so if you don't know what that is, then I think it's okay to, to maybe regroup and, and just get into a place of ease for a while to, to look around and explore. But I would not stay there long. And, and the reason being, I've never seen somebody live in the middle of their comfort zone for, for years or decades and then come back and say, oh, it's been the, the most amazing life I could have imagined. No, they, they tend to say, I feel like I've like, done nothing. How did I get here? How did the time pass so quickly? Is this it? Those are the kinds of questions I hear those people asking. And I don't think that's the life they really want. Interesting. Um you brought up a lot of good talking points about uh, the comfort zone. Like it's like mind blowing. Um, do you think that the modern man, um, the modern man has lost that from our ancient ancestors? Cause if you look at our ancient ancestors, men went out with a specific purpose to a explore B die and C bring home stuff from their explorations if they didn't die um now that the entire world pretty much has been explored there's nothing for us to explore anymore do you think that we've do you think that we're missing that adventure in our lives and how could how could a man find that adventure back into his life to light that fire again hmm. well the map may be filled in john but I strongly disagree with the idea that there's nothing left to, dis to explore and discover. And I think that's maybe the first shift 
and I know you know this, it is just a great tea. Like, oh, don't fall into the trap of believing that the adventure is over. That said, I agree with you that the pioneering aspect of masculinity, the part of us that leaves the cave, goes out into a dangerous world to explore, to discover, to conquer, to to you know, kill something to bring home and eat for your family that evening. And if you don't kill something, you don't eat. That kind of raw masculinity or a masculine energy, not to say only men have this, right? We all have the, the duality of energy and many females are living in that masculine energy with their careers and doing extraordinary things. Like that's great. But I really agree with you in this sense that we have lost touch with that because life is relatively easy in comparison to that that day and age and and in a way the cultural imperative of creating gender equality has made it difficult for some men to live fully into that without feeling like they're going against something that is considered acceptable and so yeah that that's a problem in my opinion because the the absolute you know imperative of our biology is to go do that and i wouldn't consider myself the subject matter expert on this space but the more i study and the more i coach and the more i discover it the more i agree with what you're saying that we need to have that place if it's your career great if it's you know a, a passionate hobby that you're pursuing knowledge and great if it's relationships where you, that's where you're finding your edge great but you need to find that place and if we're not out there pioneering and exploring in some capacity. I think you're, you're leaving some real power of who you are on the table. That's That's been my experience. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you as well. Um, yeah, the map has been filled out, but um, uh, when was it? Five years ago, 2018, I took it upon myself. I had a cushy job, everything was fine. And I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to go to Thailand. Hopped on a plane hopped over to Thai Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. And I'll be honest with you, it spurt me. It lit a fire under me. I'm like, this is what I've been missing, this exploration. Yeah, Thailand yeah. has already been founded and and all this stuff, but I haven't found it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there was a big difference between um, seeing it on Google Maps or and seeing walking the streets of Bangkok, walking the streets of uh, uh, Shanghai, no, uh, um, Saigon, walking mm -hmm. the streets of Phnom Penh, walking the street, walking the walking the paths of uh, of uh, uh, the killing fields. It was mm. it was it hard, and it was yeah. good, but it was hard, um, and. I remember one when I the next day after I went we went to pen, uh, the killing fields. I uh, had a had a call with my sister, and I saw my sister, and I saw and I heard the stories of what happened at the killing fields in Cambodia. And I saw my sister with her uh, two one year old son at the time, and my heart broke. Hmm. My heart just freaking broke. I just I was sitting in. I'll never forget this. I was sitting in. The hotel lobby on the zoo on the um what's up call 
and I'm just bawling, just seeing happy, healthy sister with happy, healthy baby. And just, just remembering the stories that I heard. And it was, it was a hard conversation. It was a very hard conversation to see it uh, and, and to live it. How do you help men have not that kind of a hard conversation, but other kinds of hard conversations with loved ones, for example? Oh, you know, what's, what's beautiful about that question is that a conversation is the arena of so much of life's breakthroughs. <laughs> and as a coach, a, a powerful conversation, I have witnessed it literally transform someone's life time and time and time again. And what I love about your story, John, is like that kind of passion, that kind of love, the, the intensity of emotion, men are lacking in going to those places. And that's a part of our heart's desire. And I really believe, you know, people say, oh, you know, the feminine energy and women are who, who love the romance novels and the, the love stories. And there's truth to that. But at the end of the day, it's that masculine character who ravishes her with love. You know, it's that that place for, for men to go and pour out incredible uh, energy of love and and romance, like there's a romantic inside of all of us. And when you get in touch with that, it's powerful. So to answer your question, how do we get into that place? First thing is we need to give ourselves permission to take it one step at a time. And if you haven't had a powerful conversation like this, a courageous conversation like this in a while, you're not likely to go there in one step. And that's okay. <laughs> like, Forgive yourself for maybe having left this on the table for a while and give yourself permission to just take it one step at a time. What is the thing that's been left unsaid to someone you love that needs to be said? Let's just start there. You know, what, what's a, 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 something on your heart that you know needs to be said? What, where is there a relationship that you haven't reconciled? You're upset at that person or there's an unreconciled issue in that relationship. Let's just go deal with that one problem. Let's reconcile with that person, you know, and, and take it one step at a time. But my coach tells me, and I'll just tell you this, John, you'll love it. He says, Zach, don't forget between you and the next level in your life, whatever that is, your, your career breakthroughs, doubling your business again, your marriage being more full of intimacy and love, like anything that you want to reach the next level. What stands between you and the next level is 10, 10 minute really uncomfortable conversations hmm. and he just always reminds like you're that you're that close if you'll just continue to have challenging conversations the the faster you have them the faster you'll get to your breakthrough so if you know if you're an entrepreneur you may need to go ask for that investment and that's going to be really hard and it's going to be uncomfortable but you need to go find those people you might need to go have some sales calls, right? Go talk to people about what you offer. They might be scary. They might reject you. But the sooner you have those, the sooner you get past it. In your marriage, you might need to have some tough conversations about things that aren't working, asking for what you need, you know, setting up time with a counselor. But the sooner you do it, the faster you have that breakthrough. So start small, but start now. And the sooner you can have these, and, I, and the 10-minute thing, I'll just say this too. Everybody assumes these conversations are going to be like really long, drawn out, hard things. They're not. And in fact, I strongly encourage you to intentionally keep them shorter. 
You know, you don't need to talk for two hours about it. You need to talk for 10 minutes with your whole heart wide open, which means it can hurt, but it also means healing can happen. And then give the person a big hug, pull them in close, give them a kiss or whatever, you know, the situation is, and then move on, right? Like, like that is the way to those kind of breakthroughs. And then eventually you find yourself able to, to have this bawling, uh, you know, heartfelt conversation with somebody you love, and it feels so genuine and so good, and there's no more fear of going to that place, but you, know, you got to start small. Yeah. Um, well, that bawling part was, uh, I did what well, wasn't expecting it. That was just, that came out of left left field, and I was like, what the? It's beautiful, though, yeah? The and healing my that comes. Even my sister was like, are you crying? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not crying. <laughs> We all need to have a good cry sometime, John. And the more we suppress that, you know, the more it just stores up negative energy in our bodies and, and dis-ease, you know, sets in, right? So I'm, I encourage everyone, if you have a, you need to cry, you need to like, let it out. Like, go create a space for that. It's really important. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I don't suggest people, you know, do what I did, but I mean, if you want to go ahead, I mean, Killing Fields will give you a different perspective of, uh, how horf how, how horrifying uh, humanity can be if left unchecked mm-hmm. um and it was it was mm-hmm. devastating it was absolutely devastating anyways uh <laughs> moving on uh we, I want to talk about mindset because this is a big thing that I love and I and I try and coach not just my clients in the gym but like even my 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 friends and family on how important is being able like we've been touching up on mindset throughout the last sure. 40 minutes of this conversation and how important do you think is mindset and what are some of the things that you do to help people uh get into a better mindset for their life mindset is the foundation of everything that i do as a coach, as an individual in my own life, I really believe, John, that even the right actions, the right strategy, the right tool at the right time with the wrong mindset will not give you the results that you want, which is why so many people get frustrated when they model or copy the habits, the routines, the strategies, the actions of somebody who's getting the results that they want and then you don't get them. And it's like, wait a minute, didn't Tony Robbins say that modeling somebody who already has the results is the fastest way to get those results? like, yes, but you still need the mindset. And a classic engineering example of this, John, is people talk about the Toyota production system, the Toyota way. You know, back in the 80s, this this huge wave of Toyota manufacturing and the, you know, Camry was like the ultimate car, right? And all these American automakers started going over and looking at what they were doing and tools like Lean and 5S and Kaizen and Kanban and all these you know, cool Japanese words for the systems and the, the tools and the ways they were doing things. And they copied all those systems. They brought them to the U.S. and started installing these same tools into U.S. manufacturing, and they weren't getting any real results. And, you know, finally they go back and you can read the Toyota way. And it's like, yeah, because it wasn't ever about 5S. It was never about Kanban. It was about the mindset of quality 
that was instilled into every single employee from the first moment they stepped into the factory floor. And so where is that same example in your own life? There's a thing you want. You want to get fit. You want to have a six-pack abs. You want to look amazing when you go to the beach and you know, have the girls swoon over you. Okay, awesome. Well, guess what? If you hate your body, if you consistently tell yourself that you'll never get in shape because you're fat, you're lazy, you don't have what it takes, uh, you have to work two jobs for the rest of your life because if you don't work two jobs, you're never going to have enough money, so there's no time to work out. Like Whatever that story is, that mindset is that you've been holding on to, that causes you to sabotage every time you do go to the gym, you, you have so much pain in your body that then you skip the next three days because it hurts too much. Or you, you do lose a couple pounds and then you go celebrate by eating the triple cheeseburger and cake and ice cream and you do that every time and you, you just keep bouncing back. Like That's a mindset issue. And so at the end of the day, mindset is the foundation of every result. And if we don't get that part right, you're just going to be in this continually frustrated place, um, stuck in the the place where you are today. I love how you said that the, the the Toyota stuff. I'm a car guy. Went to school for an auto mechanic. I ended up being becoming a personal trainer and podcaster, and IT pro. So <laughs> life. Uh, so I, I like how you used um, the 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 tools analogy uh, because that really resonates with me because. We all have tools as as coaches, as uh, professional, quote unquote, professionals. <clears throat> we all have a tool set that we use that we know that has worked for us. It's like, um, what's a better wrench? They're all the same. <laughs> it's it's the mechanic that has the wrench that can do yeah. the wonders with that yeah. wrench. And I really like how you said that. Um, how do you help the person holding the wrench to work the wonders? Mm -hmm. Mindset transformation or shifting your mindset. It's not that different from getting any other result in that we need to know where we are today. So where am I at on the map? If we don't know where we're starting from, how do we know what direction to go? So if I just said, hey, I'd like to go to Atlanta, John, what direction should I go? You can't answer the question if you don't know, am I in California or am I in Michigan? So awareness is phase one. If you don't understand your current mindset, you won't have the ability to transform it to something new. You can know what you think you want, but if we don't deal with what is today, then we still have a problem. So part of the mindset shift is, well, what is it that you're actually thinking? Okay, what, well, what is a mindset? Maybe we need to back up. You know, a mindset is this, this set of beliefs. It's thoughts that you have thought over and over and over again to where they create this subconscious routine that creates the, this container or the box of what you believe is possible for you in that space or what you believe about that thing. So, we need to get out of that being a subconscious routine to a conscious one. What are you actually thinking? What do you actually believe about yourself in this area? What do you believe is true? What is possible? Let's, let's get that out of the shadows and shine a light on it. Then we can go ask the question, well, what would a version of me that is easily getting the results that I want, 
what would that person need to believe? What would that person need to think? How would that person approach what's possible? And how is it different from today? So let's, let's give an example. We were using weight uh, and fitness earlier. Let's use career now. Let's say you want to get a promotion, make some more money. I want to double my income, big promotion, big jump in my income. Okay. Well, it's easy for us to say that's what we want. That's, that's Atlanta. That's my destination. I want to get a promotion. Cool. All right. Well, what do you believe about your career right now? What do you believe about yourself in relationship to your readiness to get that promotion right now? Well, if you really take that inner look back to solitude and silence, right? Let's get that blank piece of paper out and just start getting curious. Well, I actually, I'm not sure if I have what it takes. Um, I always get passed over for promotion. My boss doesn't like me. Um, nobody in my family has ever made a lot of money. I am poor. Fill in the blank. I, I, I don't have the education. I don't have the right degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm missing this. I'm lacking that. I failed last time. Okay, if, if that's everything that's consuming your thinking. Now, let's fast forward. Does, does that person have what it takes? Are they the same person who's crushing it at this promotion with twice the income and absolutely so? Of course not. Like, the person who's getting that result is the person who says, I can add tremendous value at the next level. I have everything that I need to get there, and I have a growth mindset that anything I don't know today, I can learn and fill in the blanks. My boss would be crazy not to pick me. It doesn't matter what happened in the past because my past is not my future. Um, you know, it's just fill in the blank. Like, there's all these different thoughts that people who are continuously growing in their careers are thinking than what you are. So now we see the gap. And the hardest part then, and we call it mindset work in my company. I tell my clients, look, if you want to change your mindset, we need to do mindset work. Why do I call it mindset work? <laughs> because it's work, John. It, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Knowing it once doesn't make it change. So, yeah. so this is the process of every single day going into the workshop of your mind and saying, hey, I'm gonna scratch out these old beliefs. I'm gonna install these new ones. I'm gonna repeat this mantra. I'm gonna meditate on this. I'm gonna write it out. I'm gonna shout it out. I'm gonna look myself in the eye in the mirror and say it to myself with confidence. I'm gonna tell my coach and I'm gonna tell my best friend about these new beliefs so that I have the social context and pressure that I've put on myself to, to make this mine. I'm gonna own this. I'm gonna paste it on my wall. I'm gonna put it on my desktop. I'm gonna put it on my phone background so that every day I'm inundated with these new beliefs and I'm doing the work, dedicating time and energy to believing these things, collecting evidence. If John can do it, I can do it. If Zach can do it, I can do it. If Billy can do it, I can do it. And over time, that subconscious pattern changes because I'll, I'll land with this, it's one of my favorite quotes of all time, John. Zig Ziglar, who's the grandfather of every coach there is. I mean, like, the, he he's the, the godfather of motivational speaking and personal development as far as I'm concerned, maybe with like Jim Rohn and a couple other, the big old names. Zig Ziglar said, you are who you are and you are where you are by what has gone into your mind. And you can change who you are and you can change where you are by the process of changing what goes into your mind. So, just start that process now. The inputs must change if you want your outputs to change. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Uh, and I love how you have this, <clears throat> this unique blueprint to help people, um, uh, get through it. And I, we've been talking through the blueprint pretty much this whole <laughs> 50 <Totally>. minutes. <laughs> um, but there's another talk, there's another, um, area that I want to touch up on, uh, before we end the, end the show. Um, and this concept that you have of doing less and as a solopreneur, as somebody who loves filling his time up with stuff and things to do, it's such an alien thing to, to, to me. And not just to me, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people oh, yeah. out there listening, it's, 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 it's a, it's prevalent in their lives. But like, I, like I joked in the beginning, like I traded my nine to five for my five to nine and it's more like my five to 12 AM <laughs> sometimes <laughs> 1 AM. How do you actually do less? It's mm -hmm. and still get the same output that you had from before. There are two dimensions to this idea that we need to in keep to combine. We need both to get the kind of results that we're talking about. So let's first talk about this temptation and this automatic behavior of doing more. You know, I want more money, so I'm going to do more work. Um, I, I want more fill in the blanks, so I just work harder. I need to always do more. If you want more, do more, right? This is the automatic imperative of culture, and you see the hustle grind culture all around us. It's been, you know, praised on Instagram for a long time. Well, when we say do less, there's two aspects of this. One is, you know, going from the 24-7 to actually protecting your energy and, and literally putting in less time or doing less actions so less things are happening but it's also that diluted focus leads to diluted results and so doing less means choosing fewer things that you will apply your energy towards so rather than having 10 goals let's have two rather than going after all of these growth initiatives in our business at the same time let's build our strategy around one thing you know getting focused is important so so two dimensions one is literally doing less activities and the second is focusing all your activities around less initiatives less total goals so we don't want to dilute our focus and and here's why it works you don't actually get results in the application of time. What gets you the results is the application of energy. Energy is what creates the result, not time. Now, anybody who's in engineering knows that for us to create power, that's energy over time. And so it takes time for you to apply energy. Right? The task that you need to get done will take time. But how much time totally depends on how much energy you put in. So, John, I need to send you an email, let you know what's going on with our podcast recording today. Well, I can sit there, you know, just putzing around. I've got my phone blaring YouTube videos, watching shorts, and, you know, this is happening over here in my, my 
Slack messages are chiming. And as I'm trying to send you an email, I've got all these distractions. I have all this dilution of my focus and I really am not giving you my, my best attention. And it takes me 15 minutes to send the email. Or I could shut off all those distractions, aim my energy in a concentrated way at sending you the email and it's done in 60 seconds. I got the same result with the same amount of value to this relationship and our preparation and my goals for the day. And I got it done in a fraction of the time because I did less and I focused. So you apply that little micro example now to the bigger picture of your life. It's like, how do I shut off all the distractions so I'm not diluted in my focus? And then how do I amplify the amount of energy that I bring to the one task in front of me so that it's done at the highest possible value in the least amount of time and I can move on to the next thing. And when you do this consistently and you take principles like the 80-20 rule, Pareto's principle that, you know, at the end of the day, John, only 20% of your activities are creating 80% of the results anyway. So if I'm really intentional to get those 20% of my activities done first, you know, I'm 80% I'm of the way done with my day in just a couple hours. You know, the rest of the day, is all gravy. And in fact, if I outsource or hire or train those other activities off my plate, then I can just do the big activities and I can scale quickly. So this is what doing less is all about. It's, it's not about just taking your current 15 hour workday and saying, I'm going to do half of it. Screw the rest. It's just not going to get done. Oh, well, like you're going to be disappointed if that's your approach, because all that's going to happen is you'll take twice as long to get to the same goal. <laughs> You have to shift, we need to change. It's not just about cut stuff out. It's about being way more intelligent around focus and then choosing those right activities and putting all your energy into it. And if you'll do that, I've seen it every single time. That's where you get these compounding big results. It's, it's just like uh, the old magnifying glass on the anthill, you know, and uh, if, if you just watch the anthill all day, you know, you're never gonna, create any heat there, but with that magnifying glass, you could, you get pretty exciting or you'll catch that piece of paper on fire for anybody who feels, sorry, no, don't mean to torture ants. If anybody's um, <laughs> upset about that, I apologize. But, but that's the point, right? When you can focus that energy, only then do you get to that ignition point. And if you don't, then you never, you never get to the ignition point and you just have this low level of energy the whole time. So that's what do less is all about. There's, um, there's a percentage of the population, um, without like putting stereotypes on labels, but like people with ADHD, like they do, they do hyper-focus on a task. But the problem with it is that they hyper-focus on a task and then they swerve off into these weird rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. How do you help them stay focused on that initial task without getting into that web of rabbit holes? Because I think I may have ADHD because I go into some weird rabbit holes myself. Totally. Whether you're diagnosed or not, to your point, there's a big percentage of, of uh, humans who have some level of ADD, ADHD, as well as uh, being on the spectrum. You know, it's another really common one, especially in engineering, IT, technology. You'll see people who have uh, dimensions of being on the autistic spectrum. And you know, the first thing I'll say is always be aware of your own body, your own capability, forgive yourself and give yourself grace for where you need to you know, leave room for those challenges. And I'm not here to be a medical professional, but here's what I've seen be effective. Here's what works. When you know yourself, you know your own tendencies, rather than 
creating a crutch or an excuse around that. Let's just get more creative to design environments and systems and solutions that are going to allow your unique way of showing up to life to become a strength for you. So with ADD in particular, ADHD, one of the ways that I've seen that, because you're right, there is this ability to hyper-focus. It's just often for short amounts of time. So one thing I've seen is the, the gamification of work and, and shortening those sprints can be really powerful for folks who are in that, in that category. So what do I mean? All right, take, take the project you need to get done today or the piece of work you need to get done today and let's create some milestones and, and little, little levels along the way. So you know, hey, here's my first level, the first boss that I need to beat in this game of my business. And I, I know exactly what that is. And what I'm gonna do is take a timer and I'm gonna set like a seven minute countdown timer, something really short and just say, all right, in the next seven minutes, I'm going to bring all my energy to go beat this level. It's like, I'm literally playing a video game. I've got seven minutes to beat this level. I'm going to bring all my focus to it. And at, when the timer goes off, even if you're still in the zone, give yourself permission to just walk away, go watch a YouTube video, go do the thing you need to do, call somebody and then come back and then go for nine more minutes and then go for five more minutes and just create these little bursts and having a timer and some uh, specific targets that you want to hit can help to laser in the focus, but you also now know that you have a clear end point. You know, maybe you can extend this to 13 minutes or 17 minutes and, you know, then you get some people who are on the opposite end, like they can go for hours and that's cool, but it doesn't make one better or worse. It's just about designing your work environment and the way that you work to align with the way that you are. You know, and we can improve and change little by little over time, but the fact is, you know, you may never be a person who can sit for two hours straight and focus on one thing. Cool. You know, the truth is the person who can do that probably doesn't have the speed and the burst that you do in 13 minutes. And so how can you turn this into a strength for yourself? And maybe you have four tasks and you bounce between them. You know, you do 10 minutes on this one, 10 minutes on that one. And yeah, there's switching costs and those things. But at the end of the day, I'd rather do that and love my life and love the process then feel constantly frustrated at myself that I can't focus and beating myself up about that. No, let's just design something that works for you. And that takes some experimentation. It takes creativity, but there's, there's always a solution. And you know, your weakness is someone else's strength and your strength is someone else's weakness. And so let's just get creative and figure that out. I, I think we, we make too many excuses and the truth is, you know, you're capable of more than you think you are right now, period. That's true for me. It's true for John. It's true for everyone. Like you can do more than you're doing now if you want to. So let's go figure out how. I love the gamification aspect of it. I absolutely love it. I think that's, I think it's, um, you can get so much more done when you think of it as, oh, a, yeah. as a video game, especially oh, coming yeah. from an ex gamer. Yeah, of course. I mean, shoot, John, we, we all grew up playing video games and, and I think, there's some human nature around why gamification is so powerful. We, we want to feel it's like back to our conversation about exploration and adventure earlier. Like I'm, I'm making progress. I'm winning the game. So I, I've got a great buddy. I did an episode on my podcast about looking at your whole life through the lens of a video game. You know, it's like, what level am I on? There's a boss at the end of each level. And you know, you have a character, you have this avatar and you get to level up your character 
right? You know, do you want to add a new skill? Do you want to add a new, um, you know, feature and function? Do you want to put on new clothes, right? It's like you can literally take that metaphor and extrapolate it into your, your whole life. It could be really fun and really rewarding to just look at this and say, you know what? Let's take some of the pressure off. We take ourselves too seriously sometimes. Like, what if this is just a really fun video game that I'm playing? And you know what? Sometimes we're gonna we're gonna lose that level, and we got to go back to the beginning of the level and start over again. But it's all good. Like that's just part of it. You don't beat the level the first time every time when you're playing Zelda. Why would you get that in your own life? Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's really quite uh, liberating to <laughs> just take that lens. Like, oh yeah, you know what? It's all it's all good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we're coming up close to the end of the show, and these are the seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. I just want to get your perspective on these seven or eight topics. Let's do it. Uh, with the increase of people suffering from depression, from the constant uncertainty that we've been living in the last three years, uh, what would be the one thing that you could help that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Create a compelling vision for your future without a vision that you're inspired by without something that's worth showing up to your own life for it's going to be really hard to overcome that cultural pressure that you just talked about so if you don't have a vision that's where i would begin awesome what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused for me it's meditation. And if I had, if I was allowed to say two, then the second would be what I call my playbook. But, but the one most important is meditation. Uh, we live in such a fast paced world. The mind was not built for these kinds of inputs and we need to take some intentional time to slow down and, and take care of that mental and spiritual aspect of our lives. So meditation. Very cool. If you could pick up the phone right now, and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? At 20. So I'm at Purdue studying mechanical engineering at the time. I think I would tell 20-year-old Zach that it's important and it's okay, it's safe to go build relationships with, with older men and, and allow them to father me. And the, you know, the answer or the, the conversation around that is a whole nother episode we can do later. But for those who know my story from other places, you know, my father left when I was 13. I don't have a relationship with my father. And I really resisted letting other men speak into my life, uh, you know, older, wiser father figures. So I think I would go back and tell 20-year-old Zach, hey, like, it's time to open up. It's time to let those men in because that's something that now I'm dealing with the repercussions of not having that. And it would have been a huge asset, you know, in building life and career, maybe avoiding some of those rock bottom experiences I had as an adult. Looking back, would you change anything? Would I change anything? These are always tough because, of course, no, in the sense that I, I wouldn't be here without what I went through. And so my default answer to that is no, I wouldn't change anything. But, you know, the truth is, John, if I'm being really honest, of course, there's little things I'd, I'd love to have done differently where uh, I, I regret how it went. But I'm, I'm thrilled about where I've got where I've gotten to. 
So, you know, would I change anything? Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd love harder. I'd show up with more joy. I'd, I'd experience life in a more full way. I'd make different decisions knowing what I know now, but I'm very happy with where I am. So we'll, we'll keep it with the no. All right, let's, let's let it ride, man. Let it ride. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, what scares you? I am most scared of not taking the risks and doing the, the things that life offers me. You're living with a regret later. So while failure is scary and making huge mistakes or blowing it, saying something stupid on a podcast like this, those things are all scary. The scariest thing is getting to the finish line and looking back at my life and saying, man, I'm full of regret. So that's, that's the most most scary thing to me. Cool. Uh, where do you see Oasis of Courage in the next five years? Oasis of Courage, this is my calling and passion in this business. So our, our vision in the next five years is to help 5,000 engineering leaders through our flagship programs and coaching services to come fully alive, to experience that dream career, their dream life, um, and so we're really excited to scale up and make a big impact. Uh, would love to become a household name in engineering and technology leadership development. How about you personally? Yeah, my wife and I, we look at our next five years and, and the main things it's built around is advancing the mission of our two companies and then experiencing a broader taste of the the palate of life you know the the buffet of life so that yeah. traveling more you know your story earlier about just just going and experiencing the far east and there's so many things that i would like to experience so it's it's really not about possessions for us i mean yeah i'd love to have the beach house and do all those cool things but uh it's really just i want to go experience life and and learn how to soak it all in at a, another level so that's the big thing for me very cool very cool. And traveling is probably the best the number learner. one. The so number one. Yeah. Uh, where can people find more about you? Yeah, John, if someone is resonating with my story, or maybe you are in engineering and technology, and you want to know more about how to advance your career and how we can help you do that, jump over to uh, our website. You know, I've got the happy engineer podcast.com. Uh, it's, it takes you right to our main page and you can find everything about me, our podcast, what we do at Oasis of Courage lives on our main site there. And, um, also we do a free event every month to get some live coaching and support. It's called happy hour. It's really fun. So we'd love to have people join us at that and, uh, jump out. There's a registration page there on our website, or if you're listening on your phone and you want to just, uh, register now, you can text the word happy to the short code three, three, seven, seven, seven. And we'll get you set up. If you want to hang out with me and get some more uh, happy engineer in your life, we can we can do that. So the word happy to 33777 and we'll get you all signed up. Awesome. And we're going to post all the links and all the messages for that you just said in the show notes. Everybody has always access to your content and you and um, your amazing pro uh, programs. John, thank you so much and love what you're doing, man. Keep, keep it up. This is such an amazing conversation and your heart for your listeners and for the world is obvious. So appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Any final thoughts? Well, and I could do final thoughts for another hour, John. So, <laughs> you know, I guess of everything we talked about today, I think the, the sort of landing 
sentiment on my heart, just from this conversation, is asking that question of yourself, are you living out at that edge? We talked about the comfort zone today, and it's so easy to wake up in those warm sheets and life, it's just even getting out of bed, it's that first step of getting uncomfortable, right? You go from a place of extreme comfort to that cold floor when your feet hit the floor. It's like, are you showing up to your life and going out to the edge every day? And if you're not, then I just want to challenge you to, to go there, to get out of your comfort zone today. Do something that you've been waiting, make the call, have the conversation, you know, reach out to me, let's talk. But um, yeah, are, are you at the edge? And if not, I want to challenge you to get out there because you're going to find life and the energy and enthusiasm and passion that John's talking about, that I'm talking about. That's where you'll find it. So if you're not there, my my final word for you is get there because you'll you'll never regret it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Thank you for that. And uh, Zach, I just want to give you a big shout out because you've been, you're doing a lot of good work. Um, and uh, this conversation that I've had we had today. I mean, it's not what, what I had planned, but it was, it just flowed in such a, such a organic way that I just had to go and to, to, to go into it and for it to be like this and, um, have you on as my third 300th episode oh, that wow. we are releasing this episode. Um, yeah, you're a great man doing great work and uh i'm really really honored to have you on this show especially as a 300 episode i mean it's 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 a huge landmark for us and to have such a great guest like you on to come on is 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 next level uh well i could tell you i'm coming up on episode 100 of the happy engineer podcast and it is no joke to keep this going and to keep pouring in so huge kudos to you john for for putting so much value into the world. And I'm really honored to be episode 300. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank You're you welcome. so much for all the uh, amazing value bombs that you gave us. Uh, it was, I mean, like I said at the beginning, at, at the intro for all you that listen, if you hadn't taken a pen and paper, re-listen to this episode and start taking notes because this episode, I know Zach had so much value bombs to to help uh, to help you get out of whatever wherever you're stuck. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening. I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, it's John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope you got a ton of content out of it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, and share this episode with someone who you think might get a value of it, out of it. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, or whatever streaming service that you use, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review, as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. But before you go, I'd like to invite you to join us at the Podcasters Wellness Alliance. 
which is a platform that we're creating that we where we can keep the conversation going. It's a platform where we can get together, discuss the episode, and see how you're applying the lessons that you picked up and where you're going to be applying it and how it's changing your life. We're working on a lot of different aspects to this, like bringing on past guests to, to hold master, master sessions, but we need you in there. We want you in there and it's totally free for you to access. Uh, there's all you have to do is just click on the link in the show notes and sign up for your free account. I'll see you guys in the next episode. And I'll see you guys more importantly in the podcasters Alliance until then you guys stay awesome.